In imitation of Horace stanzas, this is maybe the nicest Momentai Mori poem I've read. Ah, no, tis all in vain, believe me, tis this pious artifice. Not all these prayers and alms can buy one moment toward eternity. Eternity, that boundless race, which time himself can never run, swift as he flies with an unwearied pace, which, when ten thousand thousand years are done, is still the same and still to be begun. Fixed are those limits which prescribe a short extent to the most lasting breath. And though thou couldst for sacrifice lay down millions of other lives to save thy own, twere fruitless all, not all would bribe one supernumerary gasp from death. Two, in vain's thy inexhausted store of wealth, in vain thy power, thy honors, titles. All must fail where piety itself cannot avail. The rich, the great, the innocent and just must all be huddled to the grave with the most vile and ignominious slave and undistinguished lie in dust. In vain the fearful flies alarms, in vain he is secure from wounds of arms. In vain avoids the faithless seas and is confined to home and ease, bounding his knowledge to extend his days. In vain are all those arts we try, all our evasions and regret to die from the contagion of mortality. No clime is pure, no air is free, and no retreat is so obscure as to be hid from fate. Three. Thou most a loss, thou most my friend, the very hour thou now dost spend in studying to avoid brings on thy end. Thou most forego the dearest joys of life, leave the warm bosom of thy tender wife, and all the much-loved offspring of her womb to moulder in the cold embrace of a tomb. All must be left and all must be lost. Thy house, whose stately structure so much cost, shall not afford room for the stinking carcass of its lord. Of all thy pleasant gardens, grots, and bowers, thy costly fruits, thy far-fetched plants and flowers, not shalt thou save, or but a sprig of rosemary shalt have to wither with thee in the grave. The rest shall live and flourish to upbraid their transitory master dead. For then shall thy long-expecting heir a joyful morning wear, and ride in the waste of that estate, 
which thou hast taken so much pains to gate. All thy hid stores he shall unfold, and set at large thy cup to gold. That precious wine condemned by thee to vaults and prisons shall again be free. Buried alive, though now it lies, again shall rise, again its sparkling surface show, and free as element profusely flow. With such high food he shall set forth his feasts. The cardinals shall wish to be his geests, and pampered prelates see themselves outdone in luxury. I do fairly often go back to Shakespeare. Don't tell me why. A lover's complaint is not so often read as some of his plays too. A lover's complaint. From off a hill whose concave womb reworded a plainful story from a sistering veil. My spirits to attend this double voice accorded, and down I laid to list the sad tuned tale. Ere long espied a fickle maid full pale, tearing of papers, breaking rings a twain, storming her world with sorrows, wind and rain. Upon her head a plaited hive of straw, which fortified her visage from the sun, whereon the thought might think some time it saw the carcass of a beauty spent and done. Time had not scythed all that youth begun, nor youth all quit, but spite of heaven's fell rage, some beauty peeped through Latisse of seared age. Oft did she heave her napkin to her eye, which on it had conceited characters, laundering the silken figures in the brine that seasoned woe had pelleted in tears, and often reading what contents it bears, as often shrieking undisguised woe, in clamors of all size, both high and low. Sometimes her leveled eyes their carriage ride, as they did battery to the spheres intend. Sometimes diverted, their poor balls are tied to the orbed earth. Sometimes they do extend their view right on. Anon their gazes lend to every place at once and nowhere fix the mind and sight distractedly commixed. Her hair, nor loose nor tied in formal plot proclaimed in her a careless hand of pride. For some untucked descended her sheaved hat, hanging her pale and pined cheek beside. Some in her threatened fillet still did bide, and true to bondage would not break from thence, though slackly braided in loose negligence. A thousand favors from a mond 
she drew, of amber crystal and a beaded jet, which one by one she in a river threw, upon whose weeping margin she was set, like usury applying wet to wet, or monarch's hands that let not bounty fall where want cries some, but where excess begs all. Of folded schedules had she many a one, which she perused, sighed, tore, and gave the flood, cracked many a ring of posied golden bone, bidding them find their sepultures in mud, found yet more letters sadly penned in blood, with slatted silk feet and effectively enswathed and sealed to curious secrecy. These often bathed she in her flux of eyes and often kissed and often gan to tear, cried, O false blood, thou register of lies, what unapproved witness dost thou bear? Ink would have seen more black and damned here. This said in top of rage, the lines she rents, big discontent, so breaking their contents. A reverend man that graced his cattle nigh, sometimes a blusterer, that the ruffle knew of court, a city, and had let go by the swiftest hours, observed as they flew. Towards this afflicted fancy fastly drew, and privileged by age, desires to know, in brief the grounds and motives of her woe. So slides he down upon his grained bat, in comely distance sits he by her side when he again desires her, being sought, her grievance with his hearing to divide. If that from him there may be aught applied, which may her suffering ecstasy assuage, tis promised in the charity of Aj. Father, she says, though in me you behold the injury of many a blasting hour, let it not tell your judgment I am old, not age but sorrow over me hath power. I might as yet have been a spreading flower, fresh to myself, if I had self-applied, love to myself, and to no love beside. But woe is me, too early I attended a youthful suit, was to gain my grace, of one by nature's outward so commended that maiden's eyes stuck over all his face. Love lacked a dwelling and made him her place, and when in his fair part she did abide, she was new lodged and newly deified. His browny locks did hang in crooked curls, and every light occasion of the wind upon his lips their silken parcels hurls. What's sweet to do, to do will aptly find. Each eye that saw him did enchant the mind, for on his visage was in little drawn what largeness thinks in paradise was song. Small show of man was yet upon his chin. His phoenix down began but to appear, like unshorn velvet on that termless skin, 
whose bare outbrag the web it seemed to wear. It showed his visage by that cost more dear, and nice affections wavering stood in doubt if best were as it was, or best without. His qualities were beauteous as his form, for maiden tongued he was, and thereof free. Yet if men moved him, was he such a storm as oft twixt May and April is to see, when winds breathe sweet, unruly though they be. His rudeness so with his authorized youth did livery falseness in a pride of truth. Well could he ride, and often men would say, that horse his mettle from his rider takes. Proud of subjection, noble by the sway, what rounds, what bounds, what course, what stop he makes. And controversy hence a question takes, whether the horse by him became his deed, or he his manage by the well-doing steed. But quickly on this side the verdict went. His real habitude gave life and grace to appertainings and to ornament accomplished in himself, not in his case. All aids themselves made fairer by their place came for additions, yet their purpose trim pieced not his grace. but all, but were all graced by him. So on the tip of his subduing tongue, all kind of arguments and question deep, all replication prompt and reason strong for his advantage still did wake and sleep. To make the weeper laugh, the laugher weep. He had the dialect and different skill catching all passions in his craft of will. That he did in the general bosom reign of young, of old, and sexes both enchanted to dwell with him in thoughts or to remain in personal duty following where he haunted. Consents bewitched, ere he desire having granted, and dialogued for him what he would say asked their own wills and made their wills obey. Many there were that did his picture get to serve their eyes and in it put their mind, like fools that in the imagination set the goodly objects which abroad they find of lands and mansions, there is in thought assigned, and laboring in more pleasures to bestow them than the true gouty landlord which doth own them. So many have that never touched his hands, sweetly supposed them mistress of his heart. My woeful self that did in freedom stand, and was my own fee simple, not in part. What with his art and youth, and youth and art, through my affections and his charmed power, reserved the stock and gave him all my flower. Yet did I not, as some my equals did, demand of him, nor being desired, yielded, finding myself in honor so forbid. With safest distance I mine honor shielded. 
experience for me many bulwarks builded of proofs new bleeding which remained the foil of this false jewel and his amorous spoil. But all who ever shunned by precedent the, disast the destined ill, she must herself assay. Or forced examples gainst her own content to put the bypassed perils in her way. Counsel may stop a while what will not stay, but when we rage, advice is often seen by blunting us to make our wits more keen. Nor gives it satisfaction to our blood that we must curb it upon others' proof to be forbid the sweets that seem so good for fear of harms that preach in our behoof. O oh, appetite from judgment stand aloof, the one a palate hath that needs will taste, though reason weep and cry it is thy laced. For further I could say this man's untrue, and knew the patterns of his foul beguiling, heard where his plants in others' orchards grew, saw how deceits were gilded in his smiling, New vows were ever brokers to defiling. Thought characters and words merely but art, and bastards of his foul, adulterate heart. And long upon these terms I held my city, till thus he began besiege me. Gentle maid, have of my suffering use some feeling pity. And be not of my holy vows afraid. That's to you sworn, to none was ever said. For feasts of love I have been called unto, till now did never invite, nor never vow. All my offences that abroad you see are errors of the blood, none of the mind. Love made them not, with action they may be where neither party is nor true nor kind. They sought their shame, but so their shame did find. And so much less of shame in me remains by how much of me their reproach contains. Among the many that mine eyes have seen, not one whose flame my heart so much has warmed or my affection put to the smallest teen, or any of my leisures ever charmed. Harm have I done to them, but ne'er was harmed. Kept hearts and liveries, but my own was free, and reigned commanding in his monarchy. Look here what tributes wounded fancy sent me of pale pearls and rubies red as blood, figuring that they their passions likewise lent me of grief and blushes aptly understood in bloodless white and the encrimsoned mood, effects of terror and dear modesty encamped in hearts but fighting outwardly. And lo, behold, these talents of their hair, with twisted metal amorously impleached. I have received from many a several fair, 
their kind acceptance weepingly beseeched. With the annexations of fair gems enriched and deep brain sonnets that did amplify each stone's dear nature, worth and quality. The diamond white was beautiful and hard, whereto his invisid properties did tend. The deep green emerald in whose fresh regard weak sights their sickliest, their sickly radiance to amend. The heaven-hued sapphire and the opal blend with objects manifold, each several stone with wit well emblazoned, smiled or made Simone. Lo, all these trophies of affections hot, of pensive and subdued desires the tender. Nature hath charged me that I hoard them not, but yield them up where I myself must render, that is to you my origin and ender. For these of force must your oblations be, since either alter you and patron me. O oh, then advance of yours that phraseless hand whose white weighs down the airy scale of praise, take all these similes to your own command. Hallowed with sighs that burning lungs did raise. What me, your minister, for you obeys, works under you, and to your audit comes their distract parcels and combined sums. Lo, this device was sent me from a nun, her sister sanctified of holiest note, which late her noble suit in court did shun, whose rarest havings made the blossoms dote. For she was sought by spirits of richest coat, but kept cool distance and did thence remove to spend her living in eternal love. But oh, my sweet, what labor it's to leave the thing we have not, mastering what not strives, Calling the place which did no form receive, playing patient sports and unconstrained jives. She that her fame so to herself contrives, the scars of battle scapeth by the flight and makes her absence valiant, not her might. Oh, pardon me in that my boast is true, the accident which brought me to her eye upon the moment did her force subdue. And now she would the caged cloister fly. Religious love put out religion's eye, not to be tempted would she be immured, and now to tempt all, liberty procured. How mighty then you are, oh hear, to, oh, hear me tell. The broken bosoms that to me belong have emptied all their fountains in my well, and mine I pour your ocean all among. I strong over them, and you over me, being strong, must for your victory us all congest. 
as compound love to physic your cold breast. My parts had power to charm a sacred nun, who disciplined, a dieted in grace, believed her eyes when they to assail begun, all vows and consecrations giving place. O most potential love, thou bond, nor space in thee hath neither sting, not, nor confine, for thou art all, and all things else are thine. When thou impressest, what are precepts worth of stale example? When thou wilt inflame, how coldly those impediments stand forth of wealth, of filial fear, law, kindred, fame. Love's arms are peace against rule, against sense, against shame, and sweetens in the suffering pangs it bears. The aloes of all forces shocks and fears. Now all these hearts that do on mine depend, feeling it break with bleeding groans, they pine and supplicant their sighs to you extend, to leave the battery that you make against mine, lending soft audience to my sweet design and credence soul to that strong bonded oath that shall prefer and undertake my troth. This said his watery eyes, he did dismount, whose sights till then were leveled on my face, each cheek a river running from a font, with brinish current downward flowed apace. Oh, how the channel to the stream gave grace, who glazed with crystal gate the glowing roses that flame through water, which their hue encloses. O oh, Father, what a hell of witchcraft lies in the small orb of one particular tear. But with the inundation of the eyes, what rocky heart to water will not wear? What breast so cold that is not warmed here? O oh, cleft effect, cold modesty, hot wrath, both fire from hence and chill extincture path. For lo, his passion, but an art of craft, even there resolved my reason into tears. There my white stole of chastity I daft, shook off my sober guards and civil fears, appear to him as he to me appears, all melting, though our drops this difference bore. His poisoned me, and mine did him restore. In him a plenitude of subtle matter applied to cottles, all strange forms receives of blush of burning blushes or of weeping water or swooning paleness and he takes and leaves and either's aptness as it best deceives to blush at speeches rank to weep at woes or to turn white and swoon at tragic shows that not a heart which in his level came could scape the hail of his all-hurting aim showing fair nature is both kind and tame, and veiled in them did win whom he would maim. Against the thing he sought he would exclaim, when he most burned in heart-wished luxury he preached pure maid and praised cold chastity. Thus merely with the garment of a grace, the naked and concealed fiend he covered, 
that the unexperient gave the tempter place, which like a cherry you've been above them hovered, who young and simple would not be so lovered. Ah, me, I fell, and yet to question make what I should do again for such a sake. Oh, that infected moisture of his eye, oh, that false fire which in his cheeks so glowed, Oh, that forced thunder from his heart did fly. Oh, that sad breath his spongy lungs bestowed. Oh, all that borrowed motion seeming owed would yet again betray the forebetrayed, and you pervert a reconciled maid. Thank you. <laughs>